This week on the IBC Podcast, we have our student speaker, J.C. Sellers. Thank you, Becca. That was really sweet. Um, You guys can be seated. I just really need your minds this morning um, because I'm not that interesting. Um, (laughs) But we're going to read the Word of God, and we're going to talk about it. So I just need uh, your focus. Um, But before we get to that, I just want to thank the staff here at IBC, Brother Gallion, Brother Rodenbush, um, and all the staff. Uh, Thank you so so much for your sacrifice and everything that you do for us. It doesn't go unnoticed, and I know this whole student body is incredibly thankful for you and for your leadership. So um, thank you. Student Council, um, Zach, Becca, Georgian, thank you for your influence in my life and for being the leaders um, that are true and consistent for the student body. I know that there's a lot that you do that we see, but I know also that there's a lot that you do that we don't see. And I wanna thank you for that. Um, I also wanna thank all of you because you have touched my life in so many ways. Um, I've learned a lot from each of you and I consider you my best friends and my family. And I was just talking to some people the other night and I might get emotional also, so don't judge me for that, but um, it's incredible. It's bittersweet because I think after we leave here, I don't know when I'll see you guys again, but to know that my family is going to be spread all across the globe doing a work for the Lord, for the kingdom is incredible. And to know that we're going to be unified even if we're not together physically. And so I just want you to know that I love you all so, so much. And I consider myself incredibly blessed to be at Indiana Bible College. I know that I'm not worthy, and I know I'm not worthy to be up here right now. But um, I'm thankful for God's grace and for his mercy and for his blessings in my life. So uh, this morning I want to talk to you um, about something that deals with the heart also. I want to talk to you about uh, your relationship status. So breathe easy. It's okay. I'm not going to talk to you about your girlfriend or your boyfriend. But I want to talk to you about uh, your relationship status with the Lord, which is most important. Um, If you want to turn with me to John 11, and you can stand for the reading of the word. Verse 1. It's a story we're familiar with. Um, And it goes like this. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death before the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And verse 5 says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You may be seated. Um, so we're familiar with the story of Lazarus, I'm sure. Um, it's after what we just read. Jesus waits. He goes um, to Bethany. And um, by the time he gets there, Lazarus has already passed away. 
and he goes, and here comes a famous verse that we all have memorized. Pat yourself on the back. Jesus wept when he heard that Lazarus um, had already passed away. Um, But Jesus goes to the tomb, and he tells Lazarus to come forth, and he does, and it's a miracle. And this miracle was well known. Um, But what I need for you to think about this morning is this. Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, they weren't strangers to Jesus. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. Um, in the text, it even pauses to tell us, there's a parenthetical citation. It says that it was that Mary that had anointed Jesus and had wiped his feet with her hair. So we know that Mary already knew Jesus. Mary had already had an encounter with the Lord. Um, it's these same women that we know Jesus has come to their house before. And on occasion, he's dined with them, and it was Martha who was in the kitchen, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it was these same women um, that had already had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus had already fellowshiped with them before. Later on, as after Lazarus was raised and in Jesus' final days on earth, we find this in Luke 21, verse 37. It says, And in the same day, he was teaching in the temple. And at night, he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. Now, the town of Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived, is at the foot of the Mount of Olives. Now, this is commentary, so take it as it is. But many commentaries believe that it would be there that Jesus would spend the night, that he would teach in the temple in Jerusalem, walk two miles, and stay the night in his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in their house at the foot of Mount of Olives. Um, But the important part is that we know that there was a reciprocal love between Martha, her sister, Lazarus, and Jesus. This love, this relationship, had been birthed from many hours spent together, many meals they had shared, and many conversations they had about the purposes of God, no doubt. We can be certain that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had a strong relationship with Jesus. So when the women petitioned Jesus for a miracle in their life, that petition came from faith. They had faith to believe for a miracle because they had spent so many hours talking with him. They could believe the Lord for a supernatural touch publicly because they had spent time together privately. Now, there are accounts that Jesus did supernatural things in the lives of those who did not have a relationship with him before. But you see, every time he performed a miracle in, the li- in their lives, it was in order to show that he was indeed the way, the truth, and the life. And many times he used the miraculous in the lives of unbelievers to turn them into believers. But I'm not talking to unbelievers this morning. I'm not talking to those who do not know Christ. And you don't need a miracle to understand that. You already know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You already know that he's God and that he's above all, through all, and in you all. And you don't need a miracle right now to know that. You already have a relationship with him. But I do believe that I'm talking to those who desire to see the miraculous. You already know that he's God. And you want to see a greater demonstration of his supernatural abilities in your life, in your family, and in your ministry. But I'm afraid that one of the biggest hindrances to having faith to see the miraculous is due to a lack of relationship. Mary and Martha had a relationship with God. And when I'm talking about a relationship with God, I'm talking about daily commitments of prayer, reading the word, of fasting. It's that that will build your relationship with God. 
You see, it's the time spent deep in prayer that God can speak to you. He can reveal things in his word to you that can speak directly to your situation and your circumstance. God can move in your life and perform the miraculous because you've built a relationship with him. It's in the moments that we spend dedicated to the Lord that he can and will begin to reveal things to you. And I have no doubt that if not all of you, many of you have had encounters with God, maybe in prayer, that, that you remember there, you had to come to a point that God called you. You can remember certain encounters with God in an altar, in a camp meeting, in your room, and it changed your life. And I believe it's so, so important to hold on to these moments. Hold on to visions and promises that the Lord's given you. These testimonies can remind you time and time again of the goodness of the Lord and the future that he's promised. It's these moments with God that can keep you and encourage you in, in dark times. You see, those prayer meetings are what brought you to where you are now in your relationship with Christ. If you want to turn to Mark 16, verse 9, I want to talk to you about some other men who had a relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus spent roughly three, three and a half years with his disciples. He talked with them. He ate with them. He spent countless time developing a relationship with them. The disciples of all people knew the miracles God had and could perform. But something I find very interesting happened after Jesus rose from the grave. We'll start with verse 9. Now, when Jesus was risen early, the very first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. So here's Mary. She goes to the disciples. And look what happens. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Verse 12. After that, he appeared to, in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. So these two, they went and told it to the residue, and neither believed they them. Now the disciples had been told by three people that they'd seen Jesus, but they didn't believe it. Verse 14, afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, as they're eating, and he, he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. See, obviously, the disciples had a relationship with Jesus before he died. He was crucified, but he rose on the third day. But here's my point. The relationship the disciples had with Jesus was based on what he'd already done before the crucifixion. Their relationship was based on what God had spoken to them in days already gone by. And they would say things like, do you remember when he said that? Do you remember when he did that? This is what we used to do with Jesus. This is where we used to go with Jesus. Did you see that miracle Jesus performed? Do you remember that? But when they think of Jesus, it was through a lens of what he'd already done. And here we find the Lord. He wanted to reveal himself as the risen Savior to them. He wanted to show them his power, but they didn't believe what others were telling them. You see, God was trying to elevate their relationship, but they were content with how they already viewed Christ. And if we aren't careful, you and I can do the exact same thing. We can refuse to seek a deeper relationship with God because we're content with the relationship that we already have. The Lord is trying to elevate your relationship and take you somewhere beyond where you already are. Um, last semester, I took Theology of Prayer. Um, and Brother Sleva, you said something that challenged me in class and continues to challenge me. 
And you said that it's not enough to just do what's good, but you got to do better than that. Because it's not enough to just do what is right or what you know you should do. But you got to push past that and seek a relationship with God. We should take Jesus' own words into consideration in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. We have to make sure that our relationship is right with the Lord. And if your relationship is right, then your fruit will be evidence of that. Charisse has already talked to us about that. But there's a couple things. There's obvious rewards that come to having a relationship with God. And I just want to highlight and talk in detail about two of them. Number one, rest is found in relationship with God. I know that it's the middle of the semester, and I'm not ignorant of the fact that some of you probably come into chapel and you're weary, you're tired, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed with the stress of schoolwork, mounting bills, responsibilities, but let me remind you, you're only going to find true rest in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 26, verse 3 through 4 says this, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. It says, whose mind is stayed on thee. Your relationship with God is what's going to sustain you through stress, through trial, through storm. Your so-called mountaintop experiences with God are so important in your walk with God. But your relationship is what's going to sustain you when you walk through the valley or when you're struggling to climb that mountain. Psalms. 116 verses 6 through 9 says this, The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. So when you feel so low or you feel weary, return to your rest. Your rest will be found in your relationship with Jesus, and he will keep you from falling. Number two, anointing will come through relationship with God. You see, man is God's greatest creation. There's no doubt about that. And men have done many, many great things. But you see, men don't do great things without training first. And that's, <laughs> we're here for training. And if you don't understand that, um, you should. <laughs> because we have a task before us. And that task may seem daunting and it may seem unattainable. And maybe you feel what lies before you seems impossible. You don't have the talents, you don't have the intelligence, you don't have the personality you think that you need in order to be an effective minister. But I wanna remind you of Moses. He had some of the best training in the nation. And you would think that he would be confident to be a leader when God called him, but we find him afraid and insecure. But do you know what God's response was to his fear, to his insecurity? Certainly, I am with thee. So you might not have what it takes, but that's okay. <laughs> because everything that you need is found in God. 
You have it. It's the spirit. It's the power of God. You're waiting for God to fix your fears. You're waiting for God to fix your insecurity. But you have to understand what the prophet Zechariah says. It's not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit. See, it's not about your talent. It's about his anointing. The obstacles ahead of you are too great for your talent. It's going to take an anointing. An anointing won't be mixed with fleshly desires. You have to check your heart. It's not going to be mixed with your desire so that you get all the praise, all the attention, or the applause. Because your ego will stop the anointing. <laughs> You'll find God in devotion, not in self-promotion. The anointing may be expensive. It may cost a lot. It may cost a lot in your sacrifice, in your prayer, in your friend choices. But it's only going to be through that sacrifice that the anointing will come. Because it's only through a relationship with God that the anointing will come. And I absolutely believe that God wants to use you in the miraculous. But that will only come when there's an increase in relationship. Now when we're reading about the disciples, remember how the Lord appeared to them in Mark chapter 16. He upbraided them for their unbelief. But I'd like to draw your attention to what happens directly after this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 14, it says, Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. But it's interesting, right after that, after he reveals himself as a risen Savior, after he elevates his relationship with them, he says this, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them which believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents and they will drink any deadly thing. It shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You see, it was after the Lord could reveal himself as a risen Savior. It was after the relationship was elevated, after they were aligned with the truth that the miraculous began to be released into their lives and into their ministries. And I believe that that's true for all of you. And I've talked to... <laughs> Those who are in tune with the spirit, you can feel that something's shifting, something's changing. It's like we're right on the brink of something. Something great is going to happen. You can feel it moving. And I believe that God wants to do something great in the student body and in each and every one of your lives. And there's going to be a revival. But if you want to be a part of it, You've got to elevate your relationship. You've got to go a little deeper. You've got to sacrifice a little more because it's not about you. It's not about me, but it's about his kingdom. And so it might take a little bit more, but as soon as you start to do that, the Lord can start to work the miraculous through you. Um, here's the thing that I think that we get a little confused sometimes. So we say, God, I, wanna, I want my relationship with you to be my number one priority. But when God says, have no other gods before me, it's not a hierarchy. It's not God and then everything else. It's not my relationship with God, but then I can have all this other stuff on the side. That's not how it works. Because God is not our number one priority. He's our everything. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. 
And so when you say, God, it's not that you're my number one priority. You're my everything. And I want my relationship with you to consume my life. That every act that I have is worship to you. That's when God can start to release the miraculous. That's when God can start to do great, great things. And I believe that it's going to happen. If musicians can come. Um, you know, those of you who are at the Connect concert Friday night, I, I remember looking around and just thinking, wow, like, this is incredible. This, the spirit of unity that I felt in that place. And the fact that God, his spirit was just moving, touching lives, touching hearts. And you know why? Because it wasn't about us. It wasn't about our egos. It wasn't about who was a connector, who was an IBC student. It wasn't. We were just there as a body of Christ. And that's the thing. That's where God wants to take us. He wants to say, get past yourself. Get past everything else that you have in your life and just say, listen, God, you're everything to me. Everything to me. And I felt something in student body prayer Tuesday night, and it was such a desire. It was a hunger. You could feel it. People were praying. You could just feel this hunger and this desire that, God, we want you to move in our lives. We want you to move. We can feel it, but you just got to push a little deeper. You just got to push a little more. And if that takes a little more sacrifice, it's worth it. If that takes just a little more sacrifice, that's worth it. Because your relationship with God is the only thing that matters. These altars are open. You can come. You can find a place where you are right now. It doesn't matter. But right now, I just want to take a little time. Let us consecrate our hearts. Let us consecrate our lives and say, God, you are more important. There is nothing else but you, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just search our hearts this morning, God. If there's anything in here, Lord.